Chapter 2. Prayer FAQs. Prayer is a huge subject, and most people have lots of questions about it. Here are answers to some of the most common questions. How long should my prayers be? As long as they need to be in order to build a strong relationship with God. How much time would you spend with someone you have a close relationship with? How can we establish a relationship with God if we don't spend time with Him? Before giving His disciples the model prayer, Jesus warned, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Matthew 6 verse 7 The English Standard Version is a little more pointed. Do not heap up empty phrases. There are many prayers recorded, or summarized in the Bible, and it's interesting to note that none of them are especially long. Some of the Bible's most impactful prayers were spoken in a matter of minutes, or even seconds. That doesn't tell us it's wrong to pray longer prayers, but it does tell us that God doesn't require us to pray long prayers. That said, before Jesus chose his twelve disciples, he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Luke 6 verse 12. He probably had quite a lot to discuss with God the Father before selecting the twelve men who would follow him closely for the next three and a half years. It was a long prayer, but there certainly weren't any empty phrases or vain repetitions in it. The Bible compares our prayers to incense, Revelation 5 verse 8, and God loves prayers that are like sweet incense beaten fine, Leviticus 16.12. Detailed, thoughtful prayers are more pleasing than rushed summary prayers. When we pray, our focus should be on talking with God. There's no minimum or maximum time limit involved. However, if we don't set aside a dedicated block of time in our schedule for this important conversation, it's easy to let life fill that time up with competing priorities. We have the incredible opportunity to talk to our Heavenly Father. Making use of that opportunity should be one of our highest priorities. The more you talk to God, the more you will find you have to say, and you may find yourself wishing you had even more time to pray. When life's responsibilities make it hard to find time to pray, you can talk to God about that too. But when you pray, take the time you need to say what you need to say to your Creator. How often should I pray? Paul told the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Literally spending 24 hours a day, 7 days a week in focused prayer would be impossible for a human being. Even Jesus Christ didn't do that. Paul's instruction was a reminder to be diligent in our prayers, to be coming before God regularly and habitually. There's never a time when we can't come before God in prayer, so a key part of praying without ceasing is to remain in a prayerful mindset. When you have something to say to God, whether it's praise or a request or a question or a thought you'd like to share with Him, there's no need to save it for a designated prayer time. Talk to Him throughout your day as you have the opportunity and your life will be richer for it. That said, there is a benefit to scheduling regular prayer time throughout the day. The prophet Daniel prayed three times a day, as was his custom, Daniel 6 verse 10. And King David wrote, Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, Psalm 55 17. By making scheduled appointments to remove ourselves from distractions and talk with God, it's much easier to give Him our undivided attention and respect. But three times a day is not necessarily the magic number for prayer. One psalm says, Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments, Psalm 119, verse 164, and at midnight I will rise to give thanks to you, verse 62. 
Another says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Psalm 92, verses 1 through 2. Pray without ceasing by making a regular daily habit of prayer, and also by speaking with God throughout the day. What position should I use for prayer? The Bible doesn't prescribe a single position for prayer. In fact, it shows us many different positions used by many different people in many different circumstances. Kneeling definitely seems to be a common stance. Daniel knelt and prayed in Daniel 6 verse 10. While publicly dedicating the temple, Solomon knelt and raised his hands to heaven, 2 Chronicles 6.13. Peter knelt for a private prayer, and Paul knelt for a group prayer in Acts 9.40 and 20 verse 36. A psalmist wrote, O come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hand. Psalm 95 verses 6-7 By kneeling, we show respect and reverence to God as our Maker and Shepherd. But the Bible also gives examples of people who prayed in other positions. Hannah stood near the tabernacle when she prayed for a son, 1 Samuel 1.26. The tax collector in Christ's parable, who went down to his house justified, Luke 18, verses 13 through 14, stood in the temple with his head bowed. King David once sat before the Lord, 1 Chronicles 17.16, in prayer, as did Elijah, 1 Kings 19.4. Hezekiah, sick and near death, probably prayed in his bed. 2 Kings 20, verse 2. In an act of praise, all of Israel blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed their heads and prostrated themselves before the Lord and the King. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 20. Bowing themselves face down on the ground. At times, Jesus, David, Abraham, Joshua, and others did the same. Although many biblical examples show people praying with their heads bowed, Jesus lifted up his eyes, John 11:41, while looking to heaven in Luke 9, verse 16, on more than one occasion, as did the author of Psalm 123, verse 1. The truth is that we can pray to God in any position, in any stance. We can be confident that he will hear those prayers, regardless of the way we position our bodies. However, the examples we have in the Bible also show us that there is a value and importance to coming before God in positions that show our respect and submission for him. We clearly aren't obligated to do this every time we pray, but it seems that many faithful followers of God made these positions a habit. Is there an ideal environment for prayer? The best environment for prayer is the one with the least distractions. Once Jesus began performing public miracles, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Luke 5 verse 15. In response, He himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Verse 16. As his life became more hectic and crowded, he made the effort to seek out places of quiet and solitude for his conversations with God. Even when praying in the company of others, he looked for secluded locales. See Luke 9.28, Matthew 26.36, and John 18.1. He warned against those whose motivation in praying was that they may be seen by men, Matthew 6 verse 5. He told his disciples to do the opposite. When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Verse 6. Not every prayer we pray needs to be away from civilization or prying eyes, but neither does God want us to make our prayers a spectacle for others to see. There are times for public and group prayers, Even then, they should take place somewhere with minimal distractions. Ideally, 
When you pray, try to find a place where it's easier to focus on the prayer itself. That might be your room. It might be outside in nature as you walk. Wherever it is, make it a place where you can focus. Many people find great benefit from kneeling in a formal, concentrated prayer time each day. How specific should I be in my prayers? God isn't a genie. He isn't bound to grant us our three wishes, and no matter how detailed we are in our prayers, we can't force him to give us exactly what we want when we want it. That's actually a comforting thought. The Bible tells us that we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Romans 8.26 It also says, Your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Matthew 6 verse 8 Left to our own devices, we could easily ask for something that seems good but might ultimately hurt us. Jesus asked, What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Matthew 7 verses 9 through 11. God loves giving his children good things. He wants to bless us. He isn't going to willfully misinterpret our requests, and he isn't going to penalize us for being too vague when we ask him for something. He knows what we need, even before we ask. When we ask God for something, we acknowledge that his will is going to be done. If we trust God to know what's best for us, we should be asking him to bring our desires in alignment with his own praying that he gives us the things we're asking for only if they're the things he wants us to have. Do I have to pray out loud? Not at all. When Hannah prayed that God would give her a son, she spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. 1 Samuel 1.13 Although she never said anything out loud, she still poured out her soul before the Lord. Verse 15 And God answered that prayer in a powerful way. She soon became pregnant with Samuel, who would be instrumental in guiding the nation of Israel as a judge and a prophet of God. When the disciples needed to find a replacement for Judas, they addressed God as, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all. Acts 1.24 When Samuel went to anoint David as the king who would replace Saul, God explained that the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 That same David would later write, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You discern my thoughts from afar. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Psalm 139 verses 1 through 2 and verse 4, ESV. God knows what's in our hearts and minds before we even open our mouths to speak. We don't have to speak out loud for God to hear our prayers or answer them. Jonah prayed a very passionate prayer at the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea where speaking aloud would have been almost impossible. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul, he said. The deep closed around me, weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you, into your holy temple. Jonah 2, 5-7 In the belly of the fish, Jonah reflected, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Verses 1-2 through There is a benefit to praying out loud, though. 
Taking the time to speak our thoughts out loud can help us stay focused on the prayer itself. It's easy to get lost in our own thoughts if we're only thinking the prayer instead of speaking it. Talking to God out loud can help us stay focused on what we want to tell Him, but it's not a requirement for Him to hear us. Why bother asking for help if God already knows what I need? Since your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him, Matthew 6 verse 8, what's the point of asking for His help? We're not telling God anything He doesn't already know. The simple answer is that it helps us grow. God has a plan in place. He has declared the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. Isaiah 46 verse 10. But the details of that plan aren't all fixed and immovable. There's quite a lot of wiggle room in how our lives can play out. Jesus taught us that we always ought to pray and not lose heart. Luke 18 verse 1. And James confirmed that a prayer of a righteous person, when it is brought about, can accomplish much. James 5.16, New American Standard Bible. When we ask God for help, we're not throwing meaningless words into the void. We're talking directly with the creator of the universe. He hasn't predestined every detail of our lives, and sometimes the simple act of asking changes things. God spared the nation of Israel because Moses asked in Exodus 32 verses 11 through 14. He protected Judah from the Assyrian invaders because Hezekiah asked in 2 Kings 19 verses 14 through 20. He showed mercy to Job's friends because Job asked in Job 42 verses 7 through 8. He allowed Elisha's servant to see an incredible display of spiritual might because Elisha asked in 2 Kings 6 verses 16 through 18. He brought Tabitha back to life because Peter asked in Acts 9 39 through 40. Prayers matter. Prayers change things. God's ultimate plan could have continued without any of these prayers being answered, but in such cases, he answered them because his people asked. In a vision, John saw the prayers of all the saints, Revelation 8.3, being mixed with the sweet-smelling incense on the altar before the throne room of God. God doesn't just hear our prayers. He doesn't just begrudgingly answer them on occasion. He values them, treating them like precious incense before his throne. Theoretically, God, who knows our hearts and our needs, could answer our prayers before we even got around to praying them. And sometimes he does. But the act of praying provides us with the constant reminder of where our answered prayers come from. If God gave us everything we needed and wanted before we ever asked, it would be all too easy to forget that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. James 1 verse 17. As you pray about the subjects outlined in the model prayer, remember that sometimes God is just waiting for you to ask before he acts. Then you may know there is no one like the Lord our God. Exodus 8.10 Does the number of people praying affect whether God answers a prayer? No. Prayer is not a numbers game. The number of people praying about an issue doesn't influence God to act one way or another, and a single prayer from a single person can be as effective as a hundred prayers from a hundred people. There are examples in the Bible of groups praying about a specific request, but it would be a mistake to assume that God responded because of the number of people praying. For example, when Peter was in prison, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Acts 12 verse 5. Those prayers were answered with a miraculous escape in verses 6 through 11. 
but would God have rescued Peter if his fellow Christians hadn't been offering constant prayer? The early church had grown at a rapid pace. On Pentecost of AD 31, those who gladly received his word were baptized, and on that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Acts 2, verses 41 and 47. It's safe to assume that there were multiple thousands of Christians praying for Peter. But what if only a thousand of those Christians had been praying? Would God still have rescued Peter from prison? What if there'd only been 50? What if there'd only been one? Would God have left Peter to rot in jail or face an execution just because a certain quota of prayers hadn't been met? That's not how God treats prayers asked according to the Father's will. Concerning personal matters, God never sets a threshold for a minimum number of prayers, and we never see one enacted in the pages of the Bible. One prayer was enough for Samson to regain his strength in Judges 16 verses 28-30, for the Syrians to be struck blind in 2 Kings 6 verse 18, for Hezekiah to find healing in Isaiah 38 verses 2-5, through and for Daniel to receive understanding. Daniel 10 verses 12 through 14. The benefit of having multiple people praying for the same thing is the unity it provides to those offering the prayers. The whole church was praying for Peter, and the whole church was no doubt ecstatic to hear that those prayers had been answered with a miracle. By praying for each other, and even with each other, we strengthen our connection as God's people. But don't make the mistake of thinking that prayers are like modern-day petitions. You don't need a certain number of supporters to be heard or answered by God. For that, your own prayers are enough. Does God still hear my prayers if I've sinned? Isaiah warned his people, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Isaiah 59 verses 1 through 2. He went on to provide a laundry list of terrible sins, beginning with, For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. Verses 3-4 through four. No human being is perfect, Christians included. We all have sinned, we all will sin in the future. But Isaiah was not talking to people who were occasionally making a mistake or failing to resist temptation. He was talking to people who had adopted a sinful lifestyle and showed no signs of repentance or even regret. They had sinned, they were sinning, and they had every intention of continuing to sin. God was not going to respond to any prayers from a nation determined to disobey his law at every opportunity. Because of their lifestyle of sin, he hid his face from them. He wasn't incapable of hearing. He chose not to listen. God will not dwell with sin. The rules and restrictions of the Old Testament tabernacle and temple were a reminder that coming anywhere near the presence of God requires purity and cleanliness. If we adopt sinful lifestyles and refuse to change, we should likewise expect God to ignore any request we make of Him. But that's a far cry from the sins we wrestle with as Christians. Jesus said, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Luke 15 verse 7. God and the angels rejoice when we seek forgiveness for our sins. Verse 10. 
He certainly doesn't shut his ears to those prayers. He loves to hear them. The whole reason Jesus came and lived a human life was to reconcile all things to God the Father through the blood of his cross. Colossians 1 verse 20. When we come to recognize the sin in our lives, whether we let it in accidentally or intentionally, our first order of business should always be to repent, to seek God's forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and ask for help to overcome that sin. But as long as our desire is to remain in a close relationship with God, then we have the promise of the Apostle John to encourage us. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 7-9 How can I stay focused during my prayers? If you're consistently having trouble staying focused during your prayers, the first step is to identify what's distracting you. Is it coming from the environment you're in, or from within your own mind? Distracting noises and audible conversations can make it hard to focus on what you're saying to God. So can praying in a room that reminds you of all the things on your to-do list. If your environment is giving you trouble, try finding a different place to pray. Move to another room. Take a walk outside. You can even try rearranging the room if that helps it be less distracting to you. Dealing with the internal distractions can be a bit trickier, but there are a few things you can try. If you tend to pray silently, consider praying out loud. Actually speaking the words can make it harder to lose your train of thought. If your cell phone is on, silence it. Even vibrations can force your brain to jump track and wonder what notification just came through. If your mind keeps drifting to a particular subject, a stress, a worry, a responsibility, even something you're excited about, talk to God about it. Sharing your thoughts and feelings with your Creator is an important part of prayer, and if you can't get something off your mind, why not use it as a starting point for talking with Him? If there are distracting noises nearby that you can't shut off and can't ignore, Consider masking them with white noise or relaxing instrumental music. If you can't decide what to talk about or find yourself talking in circles, try writing an outline of subjects you'd like to discuss. Having some notes or even just the names of people you'd like to pray for can help you out when you get stuck. Regardless of where your distraction is coming from, you'll probably keep having trouble staying focused until you come up with a plan to address it. You might not be able to change every variable around you, but remember that even a small change can make a big difference. What if I can't find a good time or location for my prayers? When it comes to finding a time and place for your prayers, there's an important distinction to make between hard and impossible. Generally, there's going to be something you can do to establish prayer as a regular habit, even if it requires hard work or some degree of sacrifice and rescheduling. In those situations, the key is remembering to change what you're capable of changing and not worry about the rest. In other words, do the best you can in the situation you're in, but always keep an eye out for ways to improve that situation. However, there are situations where regular, structured prayer becomes impossible. If you find yourself in a truly hostile or inflexible environment where prayer is suppressed or met with violence, you might have to resort to praying where you can, when you can, and if that's the case, you're in good company. The Bible shows us many examples of God's people praying in hostile and even life-threatening environments. 
Stephen prayed while he was being stoned to death by an angry mob in Acts 7 verses 57 through 60. Daniel continued to pray three times a day, even when it became a crime punishable by death. Daniel 6 verses 10 through 13. Jonah prayed while in the belly of a great fish. Jonah 2 verses 1 through 10. And Samson prayed as a prisoner of war while being humiliated by his captors. Judges 16 verses 25 through 30. Hopefully, you will never find yourself in situations like those. But those four examples can help remind us that even when everything else is out of our control, speaking with God through prayer is always an option. Whom should I pray to? Jesus was clear that our prayer should be directed to our Father in heaven, Matthew 6 verse 9. Although Jesus Christ and God the Father are both members of the God family, Jesus serves as our merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation, referring to his sacrifice that made forgiveness possible, for the sins of the people, Hebrews 2.17. In this role, he is the mediator between God and men, 1 Timothy 2.5. As high priest, Jesus provided the sacrifice that enables us to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, Hebrews 4.16. And he himself is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, Hebrews 8 verse 1. God the Father rules from that throne of the majesty in the heavens, and we direct our prayers to him in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul alluded to this when he told the Philippians, Let your request be made known to God, the Father, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your minds through Christ Jesus, the Son of God. Philippians 4 verses 6 through 7. When we pray, the peace of God the Father is given to us through Jesus Christ the Son, but we make the requests to the Father. Moments before Stephen's death, he saw a vision of the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Acts 7.55 As he was being stoned to death, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 59 We might also note Acts 1.24-25 and 2 Corinthians 12.8 these are the only instances in the New Testament of someone addressing Jesus during prayer, but it does suggest that speaking with Jesus during our prayers is acceptable. However, the template Jesus gave us, and the New Testament examples we have, place a heavy emphasis on praying to the Father, not the Son. The Bible is clear that we should not direct our prayers to saints or angels. Saints are human followers of God. See Acts 9.13, Romans 1.7, and Ephesians 1.1. And in death, the dead know nothing. There is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Ecclesiastes 9 verses 5 and 10. All prior saints will remain dead until they are resurrected and transformed at the return of Jesus Christ. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. 1 Corinthians 15 52. Praying to them accomplishes nothing. They are dead and incapable of hearing or acting on those prayers. And even if they could hear, what would be the point in asking for their help instead of asking God the Father directly? Angels, on the other hand, describe themselves as our fellow servants. When John mistakenly fell down to worship an angel during a vision, the angel replied, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Revelation 19 verse 10. The Apostle Paul also warned against the worship of angels in Colossians 2 verse 18. Angels are ministering spirits set forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation, Hebrews 1 verse 14. 
servants of God who perform His will. Like saints, praying to angels accomplishes nothing. They are powerless to answer our requests outside of God's will, which is why we share those requests directly with God instead. What if God isn't answering my prayer? One of the most difficult parts about praying for God's help is waiting for an answer. Sometimes God answers prayers immediately and in a powerful, impossible-to-miss way. Fire comes down from heaven. The seas part. The dead live and breathe. A single lunch feeds an audience of thousands. Sometimes the answer is no. And that, too, can come in an obvious way. A door is shut. An opportunity disappears. A connection is severed. A key is placed beyond our reach. But more often than not, we ask God for something in prayer, and then we wait. And wait. And wait. Often, it's not at all clear what God's answer to our prayer is, because it can take many different forms. Yes. Yes, and I have something else for you, too. Yes, but not in the way you expect. No. No, and I'm removing some other harmful things from the equation, too. No, but I have something better for you. Or even, not yet. It's that last one that makes things difficult. God works according to his perfect timeline, not ours. And not yet can feel like no when it means waiting weeks, months, years, or even a lifetime before getting a clear answer. Even so, God always answers our prayers. It might take longer than we expect, and the answer might not be the one we wanted, but the answer always comes. While we wait to hear from God, there are things we can be doing. We can expect an answer. When we pray to God, it ought to be with the belief that He will hear us and answer us, whatever form that answer takes. He will not ignore our prayers or forget about them. David wrote, Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you, for you will answer me. Psalm 86, verses 6-7 through We can have that same confidence in our own prayers. God will answer us. We just have to trust Him. We can be open to unexpected answers. God knows what's best for us, even when that's different from what we're actually asking for. For example, if we ask for more patience, God may give us increased opportunities to practice patience. When God starts opening unexpected doors in your life, keep an eye out for ways those doors might actually be answers to your prayers. Don't give up. Jesus taught that we always ought to pray and not lose heart, Luke 18.1. To illustrate that, he told the story of a widow who received justice from a corrupt judge because he just wanted her to leave him alone. In contrast to a corrupt evil judge, Jesus asked, And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Verse 7, ESV. God isn't going to make you wait longer than you need to. Keep praying until he makes the answer clear. Trust his timing. If your prayer isn't answered immediately, know that there's a reason. A good reason. God looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. Psalm 33, verses 13 through 15. His perspective is vastly superior to ours. He knows what is and what will be. Praying means trusting God will answer in the best way and in the best time. 
however and whenever that is. What's the difference between personal and public prayers? Personal prayers. The majority of your prayers will be personal prayers between you and God alone. In general, we should keep those prayers, well, personal. Jesus said, When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Matthew 6, verse 6. However, we don't need to make personal prayers a covert affair. Even under threat of death, Daniel prayed in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, as was his custom since early days. Daniel 6, verse 10. What matters is that we don't advertise our personal conversations with God. Jesus made a pointed example of the hypocrites who love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Matthew 6, verse 5. Public prayers. On the other end of the spectrum are public prayers. These are prayers led by a single person on behalf of a larger crowd. Church of God's Sabbath services traditionally begin and end with the public prayer, which we call opening and closing prayers, respectively, asking for God's presence, guidance, and insight during services. Our large group meals likewise begin with a public prayer, thanking God for providing the food and asking Him to bless it. Paul made a reference in 1 Corinthians 14, 15-17 to prayers during church services, stressing the importance of prayers that can be understood by those who are listening. Another example of public prayer comes from King Solomon, who prayed on behalf of Israel as he dedicated the temple, requesting God's presence and continued mercy. 1 Kings 8, verses 22 through 61.